0: Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with the executive editor of Newsbusters,
1: your host, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to the show from Media Research Center HQ in Western Virginia, where our trees are now bursting into those fall colors. But despite that, it is still too early to buy the Halloween candy. I say, wait until the 30th so you don't eat into your supply. Oh, I bought 50 pieces and I ate all 50 pieces. I got to start over. All right. So the media monitors here had a big night on Tuesday with President Biden giving an interview to Jake Tapper on the debut of his primetime show on CNN. And John Fetterman granted an interview for the NBC Nightly News. So the most excited person at Newsbusters was our Kevin Tober, evening news nerd, talk radio junkie, forever ditto head. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you, Tim. Welcome. Yeah, so we, so yes, we were shooting back and forth last night. I don't always, I'm not always up and running in in primetime. I'm usually watching something like, you know, something the wife and I are watching (laughs) Halloween baking. Uh, Let's start with the Tapper interview. I think when, um, obviously, it was the debut of Tapper's primetime show. Uh, I used to say back in the day, boy, they should put Jake Tapper in Chris Cuomo's spot. Jake Tapper's no Chris Cuomo. And then I watched this interview. (laughs) Especially, I think the part that both of us were a little disgusted by, from Facts First CNN, was Tapper basically suggesting we're not currently in a recession. Listen to this. But you just said that a slight recession is possible.
0: It is possible. Look, it's possible. I don't anticipate it. What I do think, look... We talk about the impact on families. The families are, they have reason to be concerned about energy prices, they have reason to be concerned about a whole range of issues. But look what we've done. We've been able to, the Inflation Reduction Act, there's more, look, I I know I always quoted my dad, but my dad used to say, what, what, is there any breathing room for a middle-class family? And the breathing room is after all the bills are paid at the end of the month, they have anything left. So Kevin tweets: These two clowns keep debating about something that's already happened.
2: <laughs> yes, I was very frustrated last night. I'm like, <laughs> "What
1: world are we living in? Am I What's going on here?" Well, it's basic. It's basic facts. We had two quarters of economic contraction defines a recession, and these two are like, "Is a recession possible? Oh, only a slight one." Yeah, they're they're acting like it's something that's going to happen in the future when we all
2: know anyone who who you know, and knows anything about basic economics that we are currently in a recession.
1: Right. And, and, and the weirdness in all of this, of course, is that, as you tweeted, Biden is sitting there saying, well, the American Rescue Plan was there to deal with inflation. And, of course, there's the Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 8.5%. That's the inflation we have right now. Yeah. Uh, and so for Biden to sit there and say, oh, there's so much that's been accomplished that is not the experience people are having when they go to buy gas when they bo- to go to buy groceries they're not ha- they 're not sensing biden 's accomplishments. I mean, so this is where yes, a facts first anchor might say, "Excuse me, <laughs> yeah, there was no facts to be heard on CNN last night Now he started with a whole bunch of stuff about Putin and Ukraine, and you know I think what he was trying to establish is this is going to be a news interview." Uh, and if you looked at the clips, say for example, this morning on the Today Show at eight o'clock, when I was putting my shoes on, you know, they run these clips where Biden sounds reasonable about Putin. Um, you know, probably the best question of that section was the one where he was like, um, "Don't you think maybe talking about Armageddon might concern people a little bit?" Yeah, I mean, it's still, a, it's still a tender little question. That was probably the the best question in terms of sort of saying. You did something wrong. Yeah, that
2: that was pretty much as worse it got for Biden. And of course, they never mentioned it was at a private fundraising dinner with wealthy donors, and he was just going well.
1: Off but that's the interesting part, the Kevin. No, no video, right? Yeah, I mean, you don't they have audio. Oh, it, not even audio. Yeah, that might have been a hotter story if we had a clip. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, it. So it was a little bit more of a Twitter story, and maybe maybe Biden's of the impression that he needs to talk things up like this to make the fundraiser meetings juicy and exciting, but I th- think he overdid it there a little. Yeah, I guess he didn't think it would get out. of I mean, the first time I saw it
2: was from Caitlin Collins who had to rely on the pool reporter from in the...
1: Well, and this stuff. is what pool reporters are for, you know, if they let them into the fundraisers, uh, that we know what the president's saying. And, and, and obviously, it, it, I do think that the venue he was in might have had something to do with it. But, you know, I think it's important. We should state, Kevin, that we are not expecting... That Jake Tapper was going to show up and and pretend he was Acosta and Biden was Trump. I don't no nobody expected that. No, and I don't think we're even expecting. You know, well, why can't Tapper be like Hannity would be? I'm I. I don't think there's that. It's just I think we know what could be done and wasn't done. You know, I the before the show I had tweeted what I what I would have wanted him to ask Biden was on Tuesday morning, the New York Times published an article suggesting you have a problem wildly exaggerating your life story. Uh, th- and, and, you know, that, that makes you untrustworthy. And what's, you know, you're a fact checker's dream, except the irony of that was the lady that co-wrote that article is the fact checker at the New York Times. And she hasn't fact checked Biden since August of 2021. So that that's in the column I did. But Um, He didn't ask anything about that. And yesterday, you may have – tell me if you saw this clip, Kevin, uh, quiz, uh, where Biden's talking about how two firefighters were in danger and this kitchen fire he had, you know, he – it, yeah, <laughs> I mean he te- uh, we, He just lies about everything. It's just he just exaggerates everything. Yeah, uh you know this might work for professional wrestling, but it's not supposed to work for the presidency. And <laughs> yeah, you know, and and so the New York Times story was trying to say, oh, well, we're not saying he's Trumpy, but it's kind of Trumpy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then the one clip I did see going around, I believe
2: it was yeah, it was from the same event where he Biden was like, "Oh yeah, I you know, all my friends are firefighters or police officers or first responders and you know, I wasn't qualified for any of that. So that now I'm here." I'm like, <laughs>
1: "Yeah, that well, see, now that could be taken as self-deprecating humor, yeah. but it can also be seen as people going, "Yep. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right, Joe." <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, for me, other than the recession question, which I think was clearly the facts first question. Mm-hmm. The one that that upset me was the was the Hunter Biden question, because yes, they want to a- be able to say, hey, we asked about Hunter Biden. Like we checked that box, but it, it, it's just yeah not good enough. As not, you said last night, this is not cutting. It. I was you were you were angry. I, was, I could tell I was angry. Uh, you know, here's what Tapper tweeted it this way. Biden addresses possible criminal charges against Hunter Biden and says he's, quote-unquote, proud of son's fight against drug addiction. He didn't address the criminal charges. No. He didn't address them. So it, that's an inaccurate tweet. Exactly. Be, because your question, Jake, was lamo. o just, just, just give this a listen, and I'll complain some more after. Our reporting, CNN's reporting and the Washington Post reporting suggests the prosecutors think they could, they have enough to charge your son Hunter uh, for tax crimes and a false statement about a gun purchase. Um, personally and politically, um, how do you react to that?
0: Well, first of all, I, I'm I'm proud of my son. This is a kid who got, uh, not a kid, he's a grown man. He got uh, hooked on, uh, like many families have had happen, hooked on drugs. Uh, he's overcome that. He's established a new life. He is, um, uh, I'm confident that he is what he says And does are consistent with what happens Um, and uh, for example he wrote a book about his problems and was straightforward about it i'm proud of him he came along and said by the way this thing about a gun i didn't know anything about it but turns out that when he made my application to purchase a a gun what happened was he stayed i guess you get asked i don't guess you get asked the question are you on drugs you use drugs he said no and he wrote about saying no in right. his book. So I I, I, have, I have great confidence in my son. I love him, and uh, he's on a straight and narrow, and he has been for a couple of years now, and I'm just so proud of him.
1: This question is not good enough. When you ask, how do you react to that, it's just an open-ended inquiry. You're going to get the same. hey, no joke, he's come out of it. I'm so proud of my kid. Well, he's not a kid. Yeah, no, he's 52. Hey, he wrote about all this stuff in his memoir. You know, just don't ask about Hunter unless you're willing to ask a stronger question. This to me, this is where I go back to saying Chris Cuomo could have done this, Don Lemon could have done this. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they I, I would argue probably they probably wouldn't even have asked that question. I think at least Tapper asked it, but that's not good enough, like you said. Like it's not you either do it right or don't do it at all. That's well, that's I just
1: what? I just don't think you get credit for we asked about Hunter. If you're saying, how do you react? What say you? You know, yeah, I would say I, this. I would say this. This was probably a tougher interview. This is not a big uh, grading on a curve, really crazy curve. Yeah. This was not Scott Pelley on 60 Minutes. You know, Mr. President, you solved the railway strike. How did that feel? You know, it wasn't... Yeah, how'd you do it? I mean, <laughs> here are the how did you save us all? <laughs> you know, it was. it wasn't one of those. I think that people who who weren't following it would say, "Well, it was not I mean, as we do sometimes we're like, how much juice does it have? How crazy did it get? It wasn't crazy, no, it was just soft, yeah, it, it was softful. just boring uh to some degree and and that's what upset me so
2: and like it just if you have it open ended like that, as you said it gives gives Biden a chance to talk about you know hunter's you know done well now he's on the mend, and of course he has to mention that his um you know, about the, the whole diary thing. He's, yeah. he's doing well in his book. and Yeah, the memoir. Yeah, memoir. Yeah, not the diary. That's another.
1: That's, another, uh, yeah. that's <laughs> another. That's another. That's uh, <laughs> another. S- the sibling. Yeah. Ashley, I, you know, I'm just seeing if you're going to, if a news anchor is going to bring up Hunter, you don't have to say, aren't you a terrible dad? Your kids, you know, as an embarrassment to you. You know why did you? Is he this way because you always liked Bo best? I'm not asking him to ask that. Yeah, and the thing is, the other thing that I don't think
2: some people didn't pick up on is Biden. I, I picked up on this. I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna. I didn't get you get certain get it or retweet it, but it was he said, um, he went, he went along the lines of he went and said, um, you know, my uh, my my son is you know doing drugs or did drugs and now you know like most like most families have someone in their family who's doing drugs i'm like
1: really most <laughs> uh, no uh, no that's not i mean that check false it, it's right it's it, it, you can sympathize you know you want to sympathize with it but you know they've tried to suggest they they always do this i mean we've seen it usually a lot of times they drag out when they want to make people empathize with biden you know Oh, there's the car crash, and he lost his wife and his young daughter, yeah. and the sons were traumatized by that, and oh, and then he lost both a brain cancer. Yeah, it's always a sob story, and they want to make you know the wine moms in
2: suburban you know New Jersey or whatever feel feel guilty for him and w- sympathetic, yeah, right? And
1: and and we understand now that's where you can say people do have tragedies in their lives. Yeah, and they lose their their siblings or whatever, or they lose their children, and that is that is sad. But the reality is, again, yes, this is still a very political family who've been, Biden's basically wanted to run for president since the mid-80s, you know, and so everything his kids have done have been through that lens. I just think, again, what we know about now, about the Hunter Biden laptop, when the New York Times and the Washington Post confirmed that this was a real thing, what he could have asked him was, well, Mr. President before the election, the American people heard this whole thing had all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Now, even the New York Times and the Washington Post have acknowledged this is real. You know, it, is it, would it be fair for voters to feel misled? That would have been an interesting question. But even more so, I would like him to ask Biden, you know, how can you possibly lie now with this idea that you said you didn't discuss Hunter's client's? With his son. He clearly did. If you look on the laptop, there's not only emails where Hunter's clients saying, thank you for letting me meet with your dad. Two photographs. And this is where, you know, Tapper could say, oh, here's a photograph of you and Hunter and Hunter's clients. Please explain how you didn't talk to Hunter about his clients. Did he trick you and say, these are my fraternity buddies that (laughs) all speak Russian or Chinese? Yeah. I don't buy it. So, I mean... Tapper had the goods there to be able to to advance the story. I mean, if Chris liked saying we're going to be a a serious, fair, and balanced news network, this was an F. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Enough said. And I put at the end of my blog. I said, you know, this is not a good first night for
1: Tapper. No. Try again tomorrow. No. And, of course, yes, MSNBC brought on Rachel Maddow. Counterprogramming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, Rachel Manow has a podcast about Father Coughlin in the 1940s and wants you to think that's somehow relevant to 2022. You know, she goes off on these benders. Oh, I'm going to do a podcast about Spiro Agnew. Yeah, I was just about to say that too. Yeah, the how peop- random! I mean, yeah, the people. Who cares? Okay, fine. So you're a historian, or you're an amateur historian. But yes, you you know, Kevin, that the way these people are like Rachel Maddow, they think she's like pundit Wonder Woman. Yeah, Ms. she's off Ms. on Wonk. these. Yeah, she's yeah. off. She's off in another country doing weird stories about Spiro Agnew. Where you know the millennials and the people who all voted for Obama Biden are like, who's Spiro Agnew? Yeah, who's that? And why should I
2: care? Although uh, that is something I would be interested in as being a political and history nerd, I would definitely want to
1: listen to that. But not from someone like her. Well, like the actual I get,
2: historian, I would I would be all over that. I was going to suggest. I mean.
1: Now I would say this to you, Kevin, you young man. Okay, uh, Spiro Agnew's speeches against the press. You know, they, oh, they hated those. Yep, They were the nattering nabobs of negativism, and they still are. Uh, the, there's a book uh, that I wrote about a number of years ago for our website. It was called The Impudent Snobs, which I think is another phrase that Spiro Agnew used. I mean, so, yeah, they, they look, this was the Republicans sort of gaining their voice about media bias in the 70s because, you know, uh, the, uh, Vietnam and the civil rights movement – caused liberal reporters to go, yeah, we can't be fair and balanced. we got to go out there and save the world, and yeah, Woodward and Bernstein are our heroes, and, and we got what we have now. Yeah. So uh, anyway, let's go to the other major interview, and that was NBC Nightly News with with John Fetterman. Now, at first I thought, the first time I saw the graphic, I thought, oh, Lester Holt's going to interview him. That's not that's not the way it happened. Nope. Uh, they had Dasher Burns. I'm going to confess something as a news junkie. I had never heard of her. I. Had n- <laughs> She's new to me. Yeah.
2: Well, okay. I, I was. I thought maybe because I'm new. You know, I haven't been around as long. Um, I thought maybe this was.
1: Well, me, she is just a, not. She is a young professional. I. Yeah. You know. But. Uh, uh, I think we were. We were generally impressed with yeah, this was, interview for NBC. I thought
2: she did really well. And um, I was actually, you know, I actually gave her a follow on Twitter. Not that she needs it, but. Well, yeah. but no, but it's good. See, we follow journalists on Twitter, so we know what they're up to. Yeah. And we call balls and strikes here at Newsbusters. If there's an NBC reporter who actually does a good job, we, we praise him. Yeah, so exactly. I thought she did well. And of course, because she did well and actually was tough but fair to Fetterman, the libs on Twitter
1: had a complete meltdown last night. Well, it started yesterday afternoon where she basically led into this. Uh, by saying Fetterman has some serious problems understanding people. Let's listen to this clip.
3: And this is, as you mentioned, the first time that Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman has sat down in person for an interview with a journalist since his stroke. Now, Fetterman has always been an unconventional candidate, but this is a particularly unconventional interview. I will tell you, I sat down with him at his home back in May before the stroke. This was very different, including literally what the setup looked like. You'll hear him talk in just a moment as I preview some of our conversation about needing closed captioning for this interview. Uh, We had a monitor set up so that he could read my questions because he still has lingering auditory processing issues as a result of the stroke, which means he has a hard time understanding what he's hearing. Now, once he reads the question, he's able to understand. You'll hear he also still has some uh, problems, some challenges with speech. And I'll say, Katie, that just in some of the small talk prior to uh, the interview, before the closed captioning was up and running, it did seem that uh, he had a hard time understanding our our conversations. And I'll just let you take a listen to some of what we talked about here.
1: So conservative Twitter was already
2: intrigued. Uh, <laughs> I put a tweet out when I got into the newsroom last uh, <laughs> yesterday afternoon. You were
1: like, yes, t- send it out. I'm like, all right, let's do so, it. So, yes. Then, so, as you said, they're used to NBC lobbying softballs. They expect complete subservience to Democrats. Burns didn't do that. Kudos to her. So, yeah, yeah that she, was me last night after yeah. the NBC interview because I saw that where
2: she was just getting ratioed on Twitter and just slammed everywhere. I'm like, all right, well, let me, you know, I, I spend most of my days trashing NBC News for, for you know rightly so. So I figured, well, all right, well, she did, she did good, she did good. So I'm gonna
1: praise her. Liberal Twitter demands that NBC and the DNC be indistinguishable. That's mm-hmm. that's really their standard, and that's essentially what I was writing. So. I think I think this is this is good. Let's listen to this. It, it, the, she's asking the basic questions. This is not sir you're obviously an impaired boob. She's like why have you declined to release your medical records?
3: So you say you're on the road to full recovery. But right now voters really have to take your word for it. We've asked for your medical records. We've asked to have a conversation with someone from your medical team to interview your physician. You've declined those requests. Why?
0: Well, I I feel like we have been very transparent in a lot of different ways when our doctor has already given a letter saying that I'm able to serve and to to be uh, running.
3: I mean, respectfully, that letter from your physician, that was six months ago. Don't voters deserve to know your status now?
0: Being on in front of thousands and thousands of of people and having interviews and getting around all across Pennsylvania, that gives everybody and the voters decide, you know, if they think that it's it's really the issue.
1: This would seem to be journalism 101. Transparency. It's it's right. It's. We're we are acting on behalf of the voters of Pennsylvania to say, you know, and are you going to show up for your debate on October 25? Uh, you know, these are the kind of questions that, I mean, honestly, Kevin, if we sent 15-year-old journalists in there to ask Fetterman questions, that would be the kind of question you would hope your 15-year-old would ask. Why haven't, you know, why haven't you released your medical records? Um You know, and I think the thing that was interesting there was she she was very explicit in saying this is the first reporter who's had a face to face interview with Fetterman. It hasn't been a Zoom call. And of course, that could be seen, Kevin, perhaps as a bit of a snide shot at Stephanie Rule or. Yeah. Lawrence O'Donnell. Yeah, Lawrence O'Donnell. He was on Lawrence O'Donnell last night. And <laughs> it's just funny
2: that all these like, lib reporters want to go after her and saying, oh, no, he's fine. He's totally fine. He's great. Well, were you, when were you in the le- room with him
1: last? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good question. And I think that uh, I don't remember, I'm not sure you saw all those interviews, but I'm going to guess that Stephanie Rule and uh, Lawrence O'Donnell didn't explain to the people. That, oh, he has to read the closed captioning to understand the question. Well, I didn't know that until yesterday. Right. Right. I mean, Which means MSNBC was not being transparent, just like Fetterman hasn't been transparent. Yeah. I like this. Uh, if uh, Ed Morrissey over at Hot Air really laid this down correctly. One, why is this Fetterman's first in-person interview for television? There are only four weeks left until Election Day, and Pennsylvania began early voting a couple of weeks ago. Normally, Senate candidates go out of their way to get on TV as a means of getting their message pushed out as broadly and cheaply as possible. That, Morrissey continues, that brings us to the second point which is the thunderous silence from media outlets over the first point until now. That was bad enough, but now reporters who should have spent the last several weeks reporting on Team Fetterman's month-long attempt to dodge reporters and to refuse any transparency on his condition now are complaining about a reporter's actual reporting. Shouldn't they be complaining about their own lack of access? And Fetterman's act, attempts to hide from them—that is precisely it. If you have journalists now who are mad at her for asking him decent questions yeah. instead of being mad at him for hiding. Well, I mean, I mean, everybody was joking. Fetterman's running on the Biden 2020 basement model. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. he would go out and, and cam- it worked,
2: and it worked for Biden. So you know, you probably think, say, "Hey, I can scoop by the media. going to cover for me
1: again." Well, and this underlines once again. That the media, this is what's so funny about it, is if you're, she's a professional. She asks the questions a professional person asks. Um, She doesn't ask open-ended, you know, please love your boy on national TV questions. She actually asks real questions that hold someone accountable. (laughs) CNN should not try to say they're holding people accountable and then ask soft serve. Anyway, I'm going back to the other thing. Uh, This whole issue of Fetterman's disability is a serious question. Now, I will try to be objective for a moment. My dad had a stroke a few years before he died, and he was impaired for I would say it about six months before he really kind of got back to normal. And so the whole, so I believe that it's possible he could recover. I mean, on CBS mornings today, their doctor was saying he could recover, but it, it also may be with him for a lifetime. Oh, the liberals on Twitter hated that too. Right. But it's, it's this, it's this whole issue of, you're basically saying, trust Fetterman. He may be impaired now, but once you put him in office, maybe he won't be impaired. That, that to me is a very cynical thing. And for reporters to just let that go or to be on his side this aggressively, you know, it, it just belies this whole idea, you know, reporters, we are the spear of democracy. Yeah. <laughs>
2: and the thing is, that you know, if he doesn't recover, I mean, we don't know. Like, election day is, what, four weeks? For, what is that? Yeah, four yeah. weeks from yesterday. And John Hassan, who's uh, from CRC, um, who's actually a friend of mine, full disclosure, made a great point on Twitter yes, last night that per Senate rules, all personal electronic devices are banned in the senate chamber you can't bring him so you know he says he's fully capable on nbc you know dasha burns asked can voters trust that you will be ready to do this job and federman said yeah of course very short answer there of course and hassan points out that he can't can't close those in so how is he going to listen to other senators debate and add amendments and all this other parliamentary inquiry that
1: well if you can't understand that what She's it's going good. on. She could have asked him that. I suppose that would have been an interesting question. You know, there's a Senate rule that you can't have personal electronic devices on the floor. Yeah. Does that mean that when they're debating important legislation, you're going to need to sit in your office and watch closed captioning? Right. Yeah. He just comes in, gives a speech, and goes back to his office. I mean, look, we all understand the way this works, and that is everybody just wants to sort of get their side to fifty-one. Yeah. This is why the media have been so aggressively attacking Herschel Walker. Because they don't want Herschel Walker to have that seat. And you have people like Rick Wilson, who's out there calling him Mumbles McTouchdown. And it's like, okay, if you think Herschel is mentally impaired, then where do you stand on Fetterman? Yeah. Right. And so this is where Andrea Mitchell got in trouble Uh comparing the two. And then also, liberal Twitter, they don't like MSNBC when they're not marching, marching, toe tapping the hardcore Democrat line chris matthews
0: dasha her interview is wonderful technique yeah she was soft she was reasonable Mm -hmm. and she asked reasonable questions of a guy who cannot answer the question because he has to look at the monitor uh this is a great question i mean if the republicans are smart they'll say how's this gonna guy gonna debate for pennsylvania on the senate floor kenny is he gonna bring a monitor on with him i mean they, they can be really rough now so far they're hitting him on crime And even my brother was saying, I'm not going to a Phillies game. It's too dangerous to go downtown. And there's a lot of that talk in the suburbs. So they're going to tie him to crime and the long-term prisoners that he's defended. And they're going to tie him up with that. But still, you got a problem with Oz being from somewhere else.
1: So Chris Matthews, who's best known for saying Obama gave him a thrill up his leg, clearly put a cramp up the leg of the left-wing Twitterati here. But... Here we are. Chris Matthews agrees with newsbusters. Uh Uh-oh. Wow. That's what they hate about it. He's basically saying she asked reasonable questions, and he had to look at a monitor to answer them. Because he can't just listen to her talk. I mean, she was mean enough, Kevin, to say before we sat down with the closed captioning. I wasn't sure he was actually understanding what I was saying to him. Yeah, you're not. Nothing gets you in trouble like the truth in the Democrat Party. Well, and and this is where you see again. This is why he's not. Ta- is he really talking to voters? How could he talk to voters if Do the voters have closed captioning? <laughs> it's a good point. I mean, he's, yeah, it's it's sad, but it's funny. Yeah. It, well. You know, it's not funny for him. It's not funny for him, obviously. Everybody wants to not be too unsympathetic to him. But again, he should have had the decency to say, I'm not going to run this time. Sorry. And they should have made that decision while he was still in the hospital. That's my opinion. Yeah, because now it's too late to tear him off the ballot if if they wanted to do that. So I'm not going to listen to any of these people saying, you know, Herschel Walker is not qualified to be in the Senate. Yeah. I mean, they did this last Friday night on PBS. It was the dueling tag team of K. Hart and Brooks, both snootily saying Herschel Walker was way too stupid to be in the Senate. It's quite clear. They, They were both in the Mumbles McTouchdown area. I always have an answer for that.
2: You know, I'm old enough to remember when criticizing someone who's African-American is racist.
1: Well. Or is that only if it's a, de- if it's a Democrat? That's correct. Okay. Black Republicans, it's different. Okay. Yes. If you're Hank Johnson and you think Guam flips over. Yeah. Nobody questions you. <laughs> Cynthia McKinney, perpetually unglued. Yes. You know, I remember. We, there's a whole list of these, Kevin. People you've never heard of. Gus Savage, raving anti-Semite like Ilhan Omar. hmm Um, Those people have all kind of vanished, by the way. The squad. Mm -hmm. The squad. Not exactly all over CNN these days. Yeah. Something we'll have to take up at some point. Anyway, I think that this is one of those things we want to promise to the the viewers and to the listeners here at Newsbusters, that we are going to be monitoring, like a hawk now, these midterm races, these midterm debates. Mm -hmm. To whatever degree we can watch these debates, um, we're going to be all over that. And so... Make sure you follow Kevin at Kevin Tober ninety four. It's October for Kevin Tober. You just don't want to miss that. Yes, it's my month. I don't get any royalties though, so I'm a little offended. <laughs> it's use my last name. The, the next few weeks, I would say, are kevin toberfest yes <laughs> <laughs> don't have a beer at your desk your boss in, in, ins, insists that i won't that's for the internet professionals next door mm-hmm. all right so if you want to if you want to keep up with this we always tell you to come to newsbusters once, once twice, twice 24, 24 times, times a day. day thanks for listening thanks for listening